you to the Lord for even giving me this blessed opportunity of being part of a church. I didn't grow up going to church, and no one ever shared the gospel to me until about two years ago. It was a simple question. What do you think happens after you die? I never took the time to think about it, always just assuming I would go someplace nice because I thought of myself as a fairly good human being, having committed no serious crime or whatnot. And that was when I was told about Jesus Christ, a man once unfamiliar to me, now the center of my life. When I was writing this earlier, I struggled to think of just one thing I could share about something I learned this year that I wish I knew a long time ago. Going through notes from past sermons and bookmarked pages in my Bible, I realized that the answer all along is Jesus. I wish I knew and loved Jesus the way I do now. Attending my first Sunday service in October with Kayla's family, I was lost. Pastor Josh was, pre was preaching from Luke, and as a new believer, I struggled to keep up. Then, on my first Roots Friday night, I watched all the girls in my small group contribute to the discussion, and I marveled over the knowledge that they had, and I wish I could understand and even experience the way they talked about the goodness and grace of God. I was also able to attend my first ever retreat in February, and even though not even 30 minutes after arriving, I tripped on literally nothing and hurt my ankle, those three-ish days were life-changing. And now, standing here months later, I can confidently say that I've experienced the love of God. While I had my doubts about being saved, wondering the unfathomable question of why God still loves us as sinners, or why God still allows suffering in this world, I was also introduced to the idea that sanctification is a process, and throughout this journey, I need to be constantly reminded to trust the Lord and his sovereign plan that reigns above all else. At the times when I find myself doubting or caught up in worldly matters, I just had to remember that I am a recipient of unimaginable grace and that my existence on this world is to praise him. Everything that happens to me is a result of God's work, and my heart is full in knowing that Christ stands right beside me on my walk to eternity, and I cannot find this fulfillment in anything, anywhere, or anyone else. I learned that a relationship with God is the best relationship you can have. He is my refuge, he, is, he has plans for me, and he will always be with me. But it's not just about me. It's about God sending his son to die on the cross for the sins I commit. Jesus has done it all. He has paid it all, and because of him, I am no longer a slave to my sin and now a servant of the perfect king. In the fall, I continue to grow in Christ at UC San Diego, excited about this new journey that the Lord has planned for me. I look forward to preaching the gospel so that, just like me, someone else can experience God's goodness and exalt his name alongside us. Even though the future can seem like a scary place, I find comfort knowing that I have the Lord right beside me, and I plan to exalt his name forevermore. Thank you. come to this church my whole life. I remember when I first came to Roots and it was so scary and I was so shy and I just like hung on to Anna because I didn't really know anyone. Today I look around at the Roots God has created here for us and it makes me so happy to see the family I have here. I've laughed, cried, been comforted and celebrated with you all and it's really breaking my heart to know that I'm going to have to start over and build relationships like these all over again. I can only hope they're going to be as deep and encouraging and real. As I think about my growth as a Christian over these past years, I feel like it can be separated into chunks. Each chunk you graduate from, you get to carry under your belt and let it inform your choices in your life. When I was first saved, 
I was mostly enamored with the concept of total and complete forgiveness. I just couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that God would forgive me so utterly and freely, and I didn't do a single thing to deserve it. I knew how awful a person I was, and I knew how God only saw righteousness when he looked at me, and this truth is just spectacular. So I enjoyed living under the peace and free conscience that God's forgiveness gives. And life really is joyful when you really believe this. So a lot of my faith was based on the freedom and peace that lie in forgiveness. The next chunk I feel I experienced was learning the extent and goodness of God's sovereignty. When everything shut down, my mom got breast cancer and I broke my ankle all at the same time. God really gave me the perfect opportunity to learn what it means to trust him. I was able to learn through trial and error how to perform the delicate balance that is trusting in God in his sovereignty and goodness and still doing the day-to-day -day things that need to be done to move forward. Moreover, <clears throat> I learned God's faithfulness during this time. No matter how many times I wanted to give up, God was there, and he picked me up over and over again and again. Today, my faith is stronger because I witnessed how God carried me through that period safely, and I know he can do it again and again. I'm starting to think that my next chunk is the lesson of giving my life completely to Christ. All of soccer, school, friends, pastime, relationships, all of it, all of it belongs to him. He is the one who has both the power and authority to save, and all the universe is created by him, and his grace and love and magnificence are enough to love me, a sinner. And so if God says he wants my life, then by all means I'm going to give it to him. I can step out of my comfort zone, I can find motivation to endure, I can do hard things, and I can do it all with thankfulness to God because he is the creator of the universe, and he lives in me, and he loves me, and that right there is enough motivation to do anything. Life is beautiful and free when you live for God, and I intend to. As everything has been changing with soccer, school, friends, church, it's been a little scary. But even though I don't know exactly what lies ahead, I know God does know, and I trust him enough to step out of out into it and try my best to glorify him and whatever he sends my way. I see my childhood, my upbringing, my struggles, my failures, my fears, my fears conquered, my successes, my joys, my triumphs, and I see them all flash before me as I realize that this is living. Breathing, walking, running, crying, singing, striving, doing it all for Christ, this is living. This is life, and it's beautiful, and it's free. I see my childhood pass by, and I envision a future of the same, fears, struggles, failures, but also successes and joys and triumphs, and all of them for Jesus. I see both the nights where I cry on the floor and where I laugh until I cry. I see myself heartbroken, and I see myself, I see my heart filled until I think it'll burst, and I see myself being sanctified, and I see all of you and everyone I care about doing it right along with me. And I think about how all of it is leading up to the day where we're all going to glorify Christ together. And I just think it's beautiful. So I want to thank my family and Clifton and Ashley and Jamie and Josh and Will and everyone else at Roots for pouring into my heart so selflessly and for investing in my life so tirelessly. It really has made a difference, and I'm so incredibly thankful for the way God put me here to be loved by all of you. I'm really going to miss you guys so much. What comforts me is the fact that I'll get to see you in heaven for literally forever and ever. So I think I can wait until then. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thanks for sharing, Maria.
<coughs> I'm going to uh, just share a little bit about Maria. Even though I've only been with you your last year, it's still fun to get to know you. Um, I thank the Lord for the sweet blessing that you are to our high school group and to all of Roots. And it's just such a joy to get to be in small group with you. You always are bringing laughter and fun and joy to our group. And I know Clifton and Ashley have said they're just so encouraged by the way you encourage them and bless um, the people here at Roots. And we're sad that you're leaving, but we're excited for you. Um, I'm also thankful to see how God has been working in your heart. And even though it's been just one year, this has been a big year for you. And I know that um, it's just amazing to see how God has given you such a soft heart. And your humility is so evident. And your desire to grow and glorify him. Um, just thankful to see God working in your heart. It's just a, a beautiful testimony for everybody. Um, it's been encouraging to see you walk through a somewhat challenging senior year. I know the year didn't start out as you had hoped, probably with the soccer injury and just trying doing a lot, um, a lot of playing in front of scouts and anticipating where you're going to go to school and um, still in the midst of it. It's such a joy to see you trust the Lord. And he brought you through that to sanctify you. And we can see... I can always see that you are seeking to glorify him. So when you're waiting to hear from colleges, when you're not sure what next year looks like, your prayer has always been, but I want to do it for God's glory. I need to trust him. And so it's, it's great to see you, not that you have it all down, but that you're trusting the Lord. Um, so keep trusting him. Keep your eyes on him um, as you go off to Florida. Um, like I said, we're all going to miss you. It'll be quite sad, but we're excited for what you'll experience there. Um, but remember that it's all about him. The world in college and after will always be telling you it's about you. It's about living your best life. It's about pursuing what you want to do and doing your bucket list. And But you know it's about God. So fight to remember that. Cling to him. Keep seeking him. Keep abiding in him. Because like you said, the best life is living Christ's life, living for Christ. Um, so just like Paul said he was praying for the church, um, like we studied at the beginning of the year, we can say, like Paul, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So it's, our God is so good, and we're so glad that you're following him and are excited to see where he takes you. Hello. 
for those of you who are here who don't know me, my name is Ashley, and I know that there's a couple of guests here today. Um, um, I have had the privilege of leading the high school girls small group in the past year, and um, today I would be highlighting a particular student. That would be Ellie. Um, Ellie, although you've only been here for a little around a year or so, um, I know that your presence has been a huge encouragement to all of our high school girls and also to me as well personally. Your love for God's people and zeal for spiritual growth is evident, and by God's grace, I've been able to have many spiritual conversations with you through text, through calls, in person, um, and it has been such a joy to see you persevere in the faith, even when it's hard, um, how you run to Christ in your troubles, and um, how you lean into the help of accountability in your weaknesses. Um, and your testimony is also one that is very different from, I think, most of our youth here at CBC, um, which is in and of itself a blessing because it is just um, so awesome to have different testimonies, testimonies and lives that look different from each other. And um, because it shows that saving faith is a result of God's grace alone, um, that he reaches and calls his children wherever they are. Also, the way that you have grown in such a short time is truly amazing. I can see that God has enabled you to run where others have walked. And so even as a relatively new believer, um, you have displayed a level of maturity that exceeds some who have professed the faith for much longer. When you started searching for a college, you made it a point to choose a place that would have good churches close by. And because I know that you desire, your desire for the word, for the, gos for the gospel, for gospel conversations, for spiritual food, Christian fellowship, I'm confident that you will be eager to seek out and commit to a church in your college years and beyond, just as you have sought out CBC and committed to Roots. Um, and I pray that wherever you go, God will use you to tell of his glory and that you will grow in holiness, assurance, and joy in the gospel that gave us new life, and that you will witness the restoring power of God that we have experienced restore many others as well. Um, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was rec reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19. All the best, Ellie. We will miss you, and we will always be here for you. Don't be a stranger. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And thank you, guys, for your encouragement in your words. Um, we're encouraged by you guys, and so we wanted to give you guys some words um, specifically um, just from Scripture um, and encourage you guys um, in just the next stage in your life, which is a really big one. Um, but before um, we get from scripture, I just wanted to share with you a brief story um, that I read from a pastor um, this week that I thought would be um, relevant um, to just the next couple years of your guys' life. It's from a pastor whose name is uh, Kevin DeYoung. He wrote, once while I was preaching on the topic of God's will for our lives, I said in a bold declarative statement, God doesn't care where you go to school or where you live your life or what job you take. 
A thoughtful young woman talked to me afterward, and she was very discouraged to hear that God didn't care about the most important decisions in her life. I explained to her that I probably wasn't very clear. God certainly cares about those decisions insofar as he cares for us in every detail of our lives. But in another sense, and this was the point I was trying to make, there are not the most important issues for God in God's book. The most important issues for God are moral purity, theological fidelity, compassion, joy, our witness, faithfulness, hospitality, love, worship, and faith. These are his big concerns. And our problem is that we tend to focus most of our attention on everything else. You guys are now entering into a new season of independence that's going to allow you to shape your life the way you want to and in ways that you never could before. You're going to have many goals that you want to achieve, and you're going to have many things that are going to ask for your attention. Maybe the main thing is going to be your education. You know that a good education can prepare you for life. It can get you your dream job. It can give you the ability to live a life that's comfortable and good. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe your biggest concern is to find the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. Maybe you have a picture in your head of what it looks like to live a life worth living, and you're ready to start finding the experiences that could create that life. Or maybe you just want to be able to look back and know that you accomplished something, whether it's a project or a home or a business or a brand. But whatever it is and whatever you do and whatever you get to accomplish, there needs to be only one non-negotiable. There needs to be one game plan for the future that's more important than any other game plan. And you need to know that being an eternal person under an eternally holy and loving God means that there's one big concern that hangs above every other concern. No matter your goals, never ever give up on the greatest goal that we have ever been given, which is to glorify God. And if you're going to live that kind of life, it means that you cannot give up living by faith. Faith in God is going to put the rest of your life into its proper focus. And another way that you can end up saying that is making sure that you're committed to the right race. And that running a race language comes from Hebrews in a passage many of us know from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Your life is described as a race. If you imagine what it's like to be a runner or in a marathon, you know the kind of dedication and effort that takes. A marathon runner is someone intensely dedicated with time and effort into running through all sorts of terrain, at periods struggling with tiredness and physical exhaustion, all in order to finish, to accomplish something big, a difficult goal, and receive a reward that you get from completing something difficult. And you can think of your life in the exact same way. All your focus and your struggles and your dedication needs to be focused towards getting to the right finish line. The reward is not going to primarily going to be a degree or a relationship or comfort or success. Those are good things that might be included in your race, but they're not the finish because the finish is far, far better than any of those things. 
and that finish will put everything else, everything else in your life in perspective until you get there. The right race is running towards an eternal life, glorifying a perfectly good God. And the way to run it is to run it by faith. That is the race that God has set before you. Being with God forever, living in his love right now and giving him glory in whatever you do and wherever you get to go. And Hebrews tells you how it is that you can run that race. The first thing that it ends up telling you is to remember the reasons for your faith. We have reasons to run this race. Hebrews says that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And that basically means that there are so many stories in the Bible of how God has always got his people to the end that you can be supremely confident that he will get you to the end. That you should put your faith and confidence in God alone in everything because it's a proven winning strategy. Nobody with faith in God has ever failed to get to the finish. A very famous pastor named C.H. Spurgeon said this, we have reason, or uh, he said, faith is when one person relies upon another because they know the superiority of the other. Faith furnishes us with armor for this life and an education for the life to come. It enables a person both to live and to die without fear, and it prepares them both for action and for suffering. And therefore, the Lord has selected it as the most convenient way to give grace to us and to secure us for glory. The way that Hebrews 10.23 says it is that we should hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, because he who promised is faithful. Faith is effective not because of the strength of your belief, but because of the strength of the God who you believe in. And to prove that that's true, the author of Hebrews basically goes through the entire history of God's relationship with his people in chapter 11 to prove a point. And that point is that faith has never failed anyone because God has never failed anyone. And the point is not having faith as in having information that you need to remember the rest of your life, but rather faith is how God is going to actively coach you to keep going. If you think of the picture of a marathon runner, you'll know that every serious runner has a coach. And there's many reasons that they need a coach because a coach is gonna share personal experiences back to the runner to share what they need to be motivated to keep going. A coach is gonna advise them on all of the tools and the tricks that they learned during their time. And a coach will often be up to date on all of the effective training regiments that are producing high quality athletes. Basically, a coach is gonna give the runner well-grounded reasons and the motivation that they need to be able to keep running the race. And if you think of God in many, many ways, remember one of the things God is to you is a head coach. God is a head coach in a race that he has set before you and has given you a way to be sure that this race is not impossible to complete. He's given you his word full of supernatural knowledge, wisdom, and encouragement that could only go come from God. He's collected stories of all of his witnesses for you to give you testimonies of God's truth for life. And he's provided you with people, people now, people around you, and people in the future, and people in part of future churches that you will be a part of so that you don't have to struggle through this place without pictures of faith working in other people as well. And all of those things are available to you by faith in order that you would complete the race that God has set before you. The second thing that Hebrews tells you that will help you complete the race is it encourages you to remove whatever could wreck your faith. The author of Hebrews says that there are two things that need to be laid aside or removed. And the first thing are weights. And the point that he's trying to make is that a runner obviously doesn't run with weights. 
and they don't because it would be completely counterproductive to their race. And any person in the ancient world would have known because they saw how serious, uh, the serious lengths that a runner went to remove anything in their way. They removed body weight, they cut down time doing other things, they often even removed clothing, anything that would affect their race. And when Hebrews tells us to remove weights that are slowing us down in the Christian race, he's not actually talking about obviously bad things. In many cases, he's talking about cutting down on some things that are good. To give you an illustration, there's some of us that are going to Alaska in the summer. And we have a lot of things that we'd like to bring on that short-term missions trip, and there's lots of things that we need to bring. And if you're going to a lot of other places, the only limitation of what you would bring is the size of your luggage, but we don't have that option. And the reason is because on the second leg of the trip, we get into biplanes that have a maximum weight limit. And because of that, we have to limit what we have on the trip in order for the plane to fly, fly properly. And if that limit is ever messed with, or if we sneak on too many things, even good things, in our luggage, then it means there are gonna be consequences to how the plane flies properly. And therefore, we aren't just bringing good things, but we're bringing the most important things. And hopefully, your life will be the same. You're going to have to study your own life very hard and be able to boil it down to what things are best. And you might be involved in many, many good things, but those things hopefully cannot compete with any of the best things. If you remember Kevin DeYoung's point, he said the problem is that we tend to focus most of our attention not on God's big concerns, but on everything else. And part of being a human, part of being a Christian, is that there's going to be distractions, and you need to know when they come. There's going to be many good things that are going to make life with Christ be more complicated, and they might weigh you down. There's going to be moments when your homework can interfere with your time in the Word. You might believe that your friends are all that you have time for instead of time with the church that Christ died for. A relationship can easily take your passion for God and exchange it with a person. Your education, your relationships, your job, and your passion projects could all be very good things, but they are not the non-negotiables in your life. They are, the things, they are not the things that should be uninterrupted, but rather any of those good things could be something that interrupts your relationship with God. And God sent his son to die for you. And God sent his son to die for you so that you would live for him and that you would love him more than anything else. And faith is the lens by which you can be able to measure what is most significant in your life. That success in your life will be measured by your love and concern for the things of God and your enthusiasm for growth in the gospel message, growth in godly character, and growth that that gospel would go to many other places and people around you. Your life is still gonna be full of many good experiences and all sorts of excitement, but they won't be the things that make your life most meaningful when you look back on it a million years from now. So don't allow anyone or anything to shape a standard of success that's not God's standard of success. Only God can tell you where that's found. And it's through an undistracted faith that God has promised to provide for you far more abundantly than you could ever ask or think. If weights are the things that can mix up what's most important, there's also things that you can't get mixed up with at all, and that's sin. Sin are the spiritual shoelaces that are constantly becoming untied. Sin is the thing that trips us up. And even though it might seem obvious to us, the person who wrote Hebrews is saying that sin clings so closely. One pastor said that what he means is that he's bringing attention to the power and attractiveness of sin. And if you are a Christian, then you will know that it is true from your own experience that it is easy and common for sin to distract us and it can be very difficult to get rid of. 
and therefore you should never, ever take any sin for granted. Part of the difficulty is that it's going to pretend to be many good things. It's going to come with disguises. It can pretend to be legitimate. It can even pretend to be a helpful strategy in the race. It can make you make anything into an idol. It can pretend to give you something that has more purpose or more pleasure than God could give you. It can change the standard of success. And sin will be impossible to avoid, not just from inside of you, but outside of you. Because wherever you go, you will be in a world that is preaching a different gospel, that bad things are good and good things are bad, and good things and bad things are the best things. And you need to know how you're going to be able to respond when you get into those situations. And the author of Hebrews tells you, the way he puts it in 1321 is this, that God has equipped you with everything good that you would be able to do his will. God has already given you everything good. And he's equipped you in such a way that you don't need to look to the world for things that are better than God. Because God has given us every good gift and every perfect gift from above. There is no good like God's good. There is no love like God's love. And there is no plan like God's plan. And so living by faith is going to put all of those other things in the right order. Help you see first what sin is so you would live by faith instead of in sin. And most importantly, it will continue to encourage you by the greatest example of faith you could ever look at. And that's Christ. And that's the third thing the author of Hebrews tells you. Jesus is by far the greatest example of running by faith. He's the champion of faith, which is why he's called the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He's the very best person who has ever come or will ever come. And the only person who has truly laid aside every weight and never got entangled in sin. And that's for two reasons. It's because of how he ran the race and it's how he finished the race. The way that Jesus ran his race was with perfect motivation. It says that he ran for the joy set before him, enduring the cross and despising the shame. Christ had joy because he knew where joy was found, which was with his father. And so he trusted his father, and he lived all of his life his father's way. He never doubted whether the father was unworthy of even an ounce of glory. He knew there was no other life that compared or any higher purpose that could be found. And therefore, he had real joy. He had joy because his heavenly father loved him, he loved him in all his present and future circumstances so that he didn't ignore the Father's place in any part of his life. And that joy led him to despise the shame. And when he says that, what he means is that Jesus rejected the world's interpretation of him and what he did. The ancient world believed that the cross was a sign of failure, and this world has not changed. People are going to reject Jesus, and they will attempt to ruin his reputation thinking that they could find something better. Many are going to use the name of Christ to, um, many are going to use Jesus' name, but they're going to deny his, his glory and deny him his power. And they are going to put shame on you and followers around you for loving and following Christ. But the death of Jesus has perfectly and permanently removed sin and shame from his people, and there is absolutely no shame in a life in which you're faithful to him first. You might go through hard things. You might go through serious circumstances of suffering. But because of Jesus, there is, never, there is one thing that you will never, ever experience, and that's the wrath of God. And that's because Jesus endured the cross. He went through more than any sinner could ever stand, and he did it as a perfect man, and he came out on the other side. And that wasn't just a picture of salvation. That was a picture for our future, that anyone in him 
who would love him and throw their dependence on him alone for salvation would also come out on the other side of death. As one pastor said, Jesus acted bravely since he knew something far better was coming. Jesus is the perfect example of the witnesses in chapter 11 who said, we are strangers and exiles on this earth, on this earth who desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. And the reason Jesus knew what he was doing is because he knew where he was going. And where he was going was into his father's kingdom. It says that when Christ endured the cross, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, which means that his resurrection was proof that God is victorious in everything. And it's the proof that he will bring his people to himself. Christ's resurrection proved that the race leads people into Christ's heavenly rule in all things. And Christ seated on the throne right now is proof that you are gonna walk right out of this world and into an eternally better future. And if you know that and believe that, it will change the way you live your life now. Any struggle or hardship is gonna prove it is worth it because it'll build up the two things you desperately need, godliness and greater dependence on God. And all of those things, the hardships and the sufferings will all be temporary as you head towards your eternally secured heavenly home. And because of the truth of that, do not run a different race. Walk confidently into the plans that God has made for you, but walk in them for God's glory. In whatever you are doing, don't allow other things that are lesser to distract you, things that could make life all about something that is one day going to pass away. But if you are in Christ, you will never, ever pass away. Look to Jesus and remember what he did for you and where he is now and where you will one day be because of him. And if that is true, then let faith in Christ form your life. And if that's true, you will never be disappointed in the life that he leads for you. That's how we want to be able to encourage you from the word. So I'm going to pray. Thank you, Father, for Maria and Ellie, and thank you also for Elliot. Thank you for the impact that they have had in our ministry, and thank you for the impact that you have made in their lives. We are eternally grateful for the way that you save sinners by your perfect life and your death on the cross, taking all of the punishment that we deserved for our sin because that you and your son Christ on our behalf has done that for us, we can be right before you, a perfectly holy God. It is amazing to think that there is absolutely nothing in this world better than a life with you and that you have revealed that to us, sinners who make ourselves God and we make our lives all about us. But Lord, you have been so gracious to open our eyes. And we're thankful that you have opened the eyes of our graduates and that you have demonstrated love and faithfulness to them through their families, through the church, and in their futures, Lord, you have promised to provide far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. So we are so grateful for you, for what you have done in their lives, and we would just pray that you would bless them wherever they go and whatever they do, and that in anything they do, that they would glorify God most highly. Please protect them from the world and continually grow them up with faithful believers around them and their family and their friends to preserve their hearts, that they would constantly remember that no life is better than a life with you. So thank you for this time, Lord. We pray that all of these things would glorify you and that you would be glorified uh, in your servants. And we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. So thank you guys again. We have uh, one other thing that we want to do. So I'm going to invite Ashley and Eliana as well up, wherever you are. There you are. And then if you guys want to also come up, we just have something we want to give you. 
Um, so I think it was the junior high girls created lays for you guys. And I don't know what they're made of because I have not seen them either, but they're gonna bring them out to give to you guys. There they are. giving you, first of all. So there are little journals that help you. So there are two different journals, actually. For Maria, it's goals and, gra uh, goal, goals and gratitude. So it's kind of an evening, morning thing where you can write in what your goals are for the day and what you're, you're grateful for. And for uh, Ellie, it's kind of this digital detoxing whenever you're like, oh, I don't want to be around technology. I want to do something and just like take my mind off of all the busy stuff. Um, there's little suggestions and meditations that you can write in it. And upon that, there's two books. Um, one is Faith by Spurgeon, uh, What It Is and What It Leads To. It's been a book that really benefited both me and Clifton, and also I know a lot of the previous graduates have really very much enjoyed the book. Um, and the other book is uh, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. I think both of, all of us staff have a heavy burden on our hearts is like once all the graduates leave groups, we want you guys to find a place that will also tell you truth. And sometimes it is very hard to find um, a healthy church. And so um, what we want to equip you with is what to look for in those things. All right. So this is for you. So that's just from everybody at, at Cornerstone because of the thankfulness for you guys. Yeah, you guys can see So lastly, just thank you all to you guys for coming and just being able to spend time together. We don't have a technical cap for the night. We're going to uh, do cleanup at 9.30, so if you guys just want to spend time together just hanging out and spending time, I'm sure there's lots more food. And make sure to just go around and say uh, thank you to um, just everyone who uh, put on this night for Rita and Leslie and, um, uh, and Nikki um, and everyone else who just contributed stuff. So make sure to thank them. Um, but one thing we'll do before everybody goes nuts is that if you are a Roots student, go in front of the balloon arch and we'll take a picture with our grads before everybody scatters. So go over there. Thank you. <laughs>